we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. Every morning I wake up just grateful that I get to do what I get to do. Uh, It's not a job. I sincerely thank you for allowing me to do it. Not many people get to wake up in the morning. And they're just thankful that they could go to work. Because they love it so much. And I do. And I just say thank you for letting me. Thank you for letting me. Man, y'all really threw this whole thing over service off, didn't you? I wonder why y'all were back this morning, because y'all were at worship last night. That was a key that something was wrong. Okay, we got something to do. Open your Bibles to Psalm 95, please. Open your Bibles to Psalm 95, because we have a lot to be grateful to God for this morning, and we're going to use this psalm to help us. Worship is gratitude. That's what worship is. It's about expressing gratitude to God for all that he has done and, and for who God is. And the Psalms have been used throughout history in the church to help connect us to God and to do it with a sense of gratitude. Now, when you look at the Psalms, there are 150 Psalms, but we don't know who all the authors are. We know that King David wrote about 75 of the Psalms. We know that Asaph wrote 12. Sons of Korah did 12. Solomon did one or two. Uh, we know that Moses did one. One guy by the name of He-Man. Did you know there's a guy in the Bible named He-Man? And the Psalms are a collection of poetry and prayers and songs. So a guy named He-Man wrote a piece of poetry. I'm sure he was proud of that, his name, you know, in, in the Bible. Fifty of these psalms, we don't know who wrote them. Anonymous. But somebody, early church fathers, saw this, these psalms, 50 of them, and said, man, that's a gift from heaven. We've got to include them in the Bible. The one we're about to read is one of, those Bible, one of those verses, one of those chapters. It's anonymous. We don't know where it came from. It was somehow from heaven. This just kind of showed up in writings, and now we have it in Scripture. I'm going to read it to you. It says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God. He is the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks. They belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture. We are the flock under his care. Now, I want you to notice in this text here, there are two different places the psalmist invites you and me to come and worship God. He invites us to do that. And he says to do it with thanksgiving right there in verse 2. But in verse 1, he says, I want you to sing for joy and shout aloud. Down in verse 6, he says, I want you to bow down in worship, and I want you to kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Now, here's what I know. Not many of us come to worship, even on Thanksgiving week, prepared to shout. 
And maybe you're going to sing, but maybe not with joy. Maybe not just letting it all out, singing for joy. But we all know that when you and I sing for joy and we shout, it's because we're excited about something. It's because we're passionate about something. Even some of you here who come to worship and you sit like this and you look like this, there are times when God shows up out there in the world and you get excited, all of a sudden you just are, wow, you're so excited, you can't stand it, right? I mean, you go to a rock concert, you go to a concert, and it's one of your favorite bands, and you're just going to go to listen. But everybody else is singing, everybody else, is, and before you know it, you're dancing and you're singing and you're shouting too, or maybe it's an athletic event. You go to a game, you go to the Cowboys game, and it's Dak to Amari Cooper going deep for the touchdown, and like everybody else, you go, coo, and you know what it means. Just this celebration is great. Or maybe some of you, you hacked into my son's phones two weeks ago when the Cowboys were playing Denver. And you know what happened. There weren't any songs of joy. Uh, there were shouts of grief and gnashing of teeth. Uh, there was the slamming of the remote going, I'm never going to watch these guys again. I'm never watching you against Denver. Anybody remember that? And you saw that shouting on my, on my house. And if you ever go to a t-ball game, grandparents, or parents, for the very first time, I will tell you, there's nothing more fun than watching parents and grandparents for the first time, watch the little three or four-year-olds in a t-ball game, in a soccer game. You talk about shouting, you talk about encouraging, you talk about yelling, but then you come to church. <laughs> and the psalmist says, when you come to worship, I want you to sing songs out loud for joy, and I want you to shout to let God know how full you are in your life and how good he has been to you. And you wonder, why, why does the psalmist direct us in that way? Well, he makes it pretty clear in a couple of places. Uh, he says right here that in verse 3 that one of the reasons he wants to do this is because the Lord, he is the great God. He's the great king above all kings. First thing in your notes, if you're taking notes, why do we worship this way? Because our God is greater than our comprehension. God is so much bigger than anything you and I can imagine or comprehend. I mean, he tells us right here in the text. See the language here in verses 3 through 5. Verse 4 particularly, he says, In his hands, in his hands are the depths of the earth. The mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his. The hands, his hands formed the dry land. The, the psalmist has painted a picture that our God is like an artist. Our God is like a potter who has the whole existence of anything that exists in his hands, shaping and forming it into existence. Our God is the designer, the creator, the fashioner of everything that exists. And he can hold it in his hands. Over here in Psalm 8, David himself was reflecting upon the greatness of God. And uh, uh, he puts it this way. He says, Lord, verse 1, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, and the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind? Who am I that you are mindful of them, mindful of me, human beings that you care for them? I picture David when he's kind of reflective on the greatness of God, looking up at the stars, and he sees the heavens and the infinite end of eternity. He goes, wow, how big and huge God is and how small I am. 
if the United States of America, metaphorically, was the Milky Way. The solar system which you and I live would fit in a coffee cup. That is the sun, the moon, the earth, and all the planets that rotate around it in our solar system would fit into a coffee cup. That means the earth would be a speck on the side of the cup. And that means you would be a speck on the speck on the speck on the speck on the speck that's in the Sometimes we forget how big God is, how enormous God is. We get so caught up in our little world, our little life, our little kingdom, my little house, my little job, my little income, my little family. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about us. And you just think all you see is what the world is. It's so much bigger than that. And the psalmist would remind you me that God is so much bigger than you and I can comprehend or understand. Worship and sing, shout for joy, be aware how great and awesome God is. But then he goes on, he makes it even more personal down here in, in uh, verse 6. It talks about that, let's bow down in worship. And let's kneel before the Lord, the one who holds it all in his hands because he is our maker. The same one who put it all together in your notes, God is my maker. See, not only is God really, really big, not only is God infinitely power can hold everything that exists in his hands, God is intimately personal with you that he made you. He knows how you're designed. He knows how you're put together. He knows everything about you. He created us. On my wife's side of the family, uh, glaucoma is genetically embedded into their DNA. And because of that, Dallas goes to see the, the doctor two or three times a year for a checkup to make sure glaucoma is not setting in, that she's not lost her sight. So I've learned a lot over the years about the human eye. The human eye has 100 million cells. That's just in one eyeball. In that eyeball, one eye, there's an eye, there's retinas, there's, there's a lens, there's a pupil, there's rods, there's cones, there's a cornea. And we get two of them. And when the eye is working right, light comes in through the eye, into the brain that allows you to see shapes and colors. It allows you to see the beauty of a mountain peak and a little bitty gopher underneath the earth that a child puts down there. A beautiful sunset, a beautiful sunrise. It allows you to see your children, your grandchildren, your spouse who also have been made by God. I want you to turn to the person next to you and just look at them. Or somebody behind you, just look, just look at them and really take a good look at them. They have been made. They are a gift from God. That's a human being that God has made. They're a gift whose body has been put together the way God organized and God designed. We have over 60,000 miles of veins and arteries in our body. 60,000 miles. That's going from Burleson to New York back and forth 37 times. And every little inch of vein, every little art in your body, blood is flowing, taking oxygen, taking life to all the extremities of your body. And God is breathing that into you. On your tongue, there are 9,000 taste buds. Anybody besides me, on Thanksgiving week, 
when we can savor and taste delicious food, glad that God has given you the ability to taste and enjoy good food. Anybody got a list? I got a list. And this week at the top of the list is a slice of my mother's warm pecan pie with a mountain of bluebell ice cream on top. Can I get an amen? And I may eat the whole pie, and I may eat the whole bucket of ice cream. i just tell you, I just mind. Uh, anybody glad that after that, God gave you the gift of enjoying a good cup of coffee? Anybody? Anybody? Hey, anybody here thankful for bacon? I mean, just thank you, God, for bacon. God, I just enjoy the taste of bacon. Hey, I want to see a show of hands. Anybody say, God, thank you, God, for a little cup of Chardonnay or a long neck? Ah, ha, ha, ha. Be careful. We got cameras in this spot, okay? I'm just saying. I mean, God has designed your entire body so you can enjoy life, this gift that God has given. You have 200 bones in your body connected to 600 muscles. If you can stand up, if you can move your foot, if you can take your hand, you have the strength to open up a jar. If you can play an instrument, if you can go out and you can garden, you can mow your yard. If you have a hobby, if you can dial, if you can push the number on the phone, you can talk. Give thanks to God. If you can run, if you can work out, if you can play a sport, if you can swim, if you can climb. It's because God has designed and given you a gift called the human body. Our God is our maker. In fact, over in Ephesians 2.10, I love this verse. It says, God says, you are, Paul says, you are God's handiwork. You are God's workmanship. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a piece of work. <laughs> Some of you have been waiting to say that for a long time. You're a piece of good work. You're God's handiwork. In fact, that little word there, handiwork, uh, or sometimes it's workmanship. In the Greek, the Greek word is poema. That's where you and I get our English word poem. God is saying, you are like God's love song. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're God's love song. That when God created you, God's heart went kabump, 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 kabump. Because he just so, so adores and loves you. He designed you. He created you. You're a masterpiece in the hands of God. Our God is greater than you can comprehend. He is your maker. But there's another reason why we worship him. Here in verse 7 it says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. We are the flock under his care. In your notes, we worship him because God cares. God knows and God cares for us. God knows you. Even if you don't know God, God knows you. He knows every part about you. He's interested in you. He listens to you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he still loves you. He likes you. And it says there in the scripture, we are the people of his pasture. That means he feeds you. He provides for you. There's nothing that comes into your hand. No food, no house. Sometimes I just wake up in the morning, and I just wake up. First thing I see, if I wake up on my back, I see the ceiling fan. God, thank you for the ceiling fan. 
Thank you, it's moving. Thank you, I hear it. Thank you, for, thank you, I got a roof over my head. I go to the restroom. Thank you for running water, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I push that little flusher, and out it goes. I just thank you, God. I thank you, God. I got water instantaneous. God, I just, I just, everything that comes into your hand, first it passed through the hand of God. He is our great provider. And it says not only that, it says we are the flock under his care, under his care. That means he has a shelter, a protection over you. Let me tell you something, church. He has protected you from so much stuff you will never see it. Why? Because he protected you from it. That doesn't mean you're not going to experience a lot of stuff in your life. You will. Sometimes we get a little kind of overconfident, don't we, when everything's going right and our kids get a little entitled. We feel entitled. So you're going to experience some stuff. But I promise you this, that his hand is over you protecting and shielding you from so much that you don't even know about. That is our God. And this is what that means. When you're overwhelmed by life, he is the one you turn to for your rescue. When you are lost and you are confused, he will be your guidance. He will provide you wisdom. When you're afraid of danger, God will be your shield and your rock. And when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you do not have to fear any evil because he is with you. And his rod and his staff, it will comfort you and see you through it. That is who our God is. That is what he will do. That is his promise in his word. And when you are uncertain and you have all these doubts, he is a rock you can stand on. The world may shift. The culture may move. But you can stand on our God who is a rock. I will not be moved. You can trust me, he says. Over here in the Gospel of Mark, I think this kind of all brings it together. Then you're going to have a chance to give thanks to our God. In the Gospel of Mark, there's a little story here where Jesus is taking his disciples in a boat to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And they're in the boat. They're on the water. And all of a sudden, just big old squall, big old storm just, just comes up and just swallows them up. And the disciples are so afraid. They're just overwhelmed with fear. And they're looking for Jesus. They don't see him. And all of a sudden, they see Jesus. He's asleep. And here's what they say here in verse 38. They say, teacher, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? Don't you care what we're going through? Don't you care what I'm feeling? Don't you care that I'm scared? Let me ask you. Don't raise your hand. Is there anybody here ever said that? God, don't you care? Are you aware of what I'm experiencing? Do you know how I'm feeling? Do you care, God? I said that. Jesus wakes up. He speaks to the storm. He says, quiet, quiet wind, quiet water, Boom, it stopped. He turns to the disciples and says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you not know who I am is really what he's saying? And it says in verse 41, they were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? Who is this guy? Who is this man? Who is he? Let me tell you who he is. His name is Jesus. He's the son of God. In fact, he's Emmanuel. He is God in the flesh. He is the Word made flesh. He is God made flesh. He is El Shaddai. He is Lord. He is Savior. He is God Almighty Himself. He is our rock. He is our shield. He is our hope. 
He is your peace. He is the bread of life. He is the well that will never run dry. He is your healer. He is your savior. He is the lover of your soul. The Bible says he is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. He is the resurrection and the life. In him you have life. He died upon the cross so you might know forgiveness and new life. That's who he is. He is almighty God himself, Jesus. I'm going to read Psalm 95 again. And I'm going to ask you to invite the Holy Spirit to open up your mind to have the images in your heart for the emotion just to kind of connect with what the Word is saying here in this Scripture. And I want to prepare you when we get finished with this to be prepared to worship God, Almighty God who made you, who knows you and cares for you with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind singing and shouting and kneeling and bowing however you feel led I would invite you to stand right where you are put yourself in position and just listen to the psalms I invite you to stand if you're online I invite you to stand if you're true worth I invite you to stand listen come come let us sing for joy to the Lord let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation let us come before him with thanksgiving Let's extol him with music and song. For the Lord, he is the great God. He is the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks. They belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. In his hands, he formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. God, yes, we worship you because you are great. You are almighty God. You are Lord Savior. You are Jehovah. You are the one who's the creator and sustainer of everything. Nothing exists except it's not come through your hands, even us. You made us. You know us. And we thank you for that, God. You care for us. So now, God, receive our praise. Receive our worship. And as we sing to you, God, sing back to us and touch us that we might be filled with your glory and the praise we hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah to you, our Lord and our God. Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.